Hey, everybody, Dave Hagen here. Hang on to your hats, because this week and next, we're talking about building wealth. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of TFWP. For those of you in the know, you know that that means the Financial Wellness Podcast. I'm Dave Hagan, your host. With me today is our engineer, Scott, coming to us from Van Nuys, California, beautiful downtown Van Nuys, as I might point out, coming to us from San Diego, our announcer, Nick Appel. Hey, Dave, good to be here. Good to see you. And our guest this week, Ryan Steiger, we are going to introduce him in just a few minutes. He's coming to us from San Diego as well. You know, sometimes things were like just meant to be. And I was introduced to our our guest, Ryan Steiger, and he had written these books and somebody said, oh, you really should have him on the show. And I went, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, someone wants to be on the show, okay. Okay, sure, we'll have him on the show. But like last week we talked on the phone for for almost an hour, supposed to be a 10 minute call. And I hung up thinking, man, that is gonna be an interesting interview. And then I'm going through Ryan's book and I'm thinking, this is really, really good stuff. I mean, it supports what we talk about on the, on the TFWP and Ryan's got this book that was, that he wrote that's just released. It's got references even to coronavirus and stuff, even though this isn't a coronavirus edition of TFWP this week, this is a special edition. And I'm thinking, wow, this is really going to be exciting stuff. So I am really psyched about this interview today, about talking with Ryan, talking about his book. We're going to talk about it a little bit more about uh, about it uh, next week. And uh, listeners, I'm going to try and get him to come back for a third show, maybe uh, down the line. So let, let's see how persuasive I am uh, later. So, all right. So let me do this. A couple of things we're not about today. A couple of warnings, a couple of provisos. Um, what we are not about today, Ryan doesn't invest money. He's not looking to invest people's money. He's not an investment advisor. Um, he doesn't have a securities license. Ryan's an author. He's a thought leader. Um, he's multi-talented, actually. In, in fact, he's, he's studying for the California bar exam. But we're bringing him in primarily as an author of this pretty amazing book. And I think it's got some really good stuff on it. And we're also not talking about any specific investment advice today. You know, we might mention Apple or IBM or even ABM. Did you guys know there's a stock called ABM? What what does that stand for, Dave? Always a beautiful mindset? I I, I don't know. I don't know what it even stands for, but, uh, you know, I I, I feel just a little little salacious just talking about it. ABM, who thought that up? Um, Look it up, though. Look it up. It's a publicly traded company, and it's on uh, it's on one of Ryan's lists. I noticed as a potential dividend stock. It's in the book. 
Um, but we're not giving any specific stock tips today. So if we mention a stock, don't think it's a tip. Don't think it's a buy recommendation or a sell recommendation. We're mentioning stocks, for example, only to make a point, to prove a point, to drive home a point. So this isn't in a this isn't a show where Ryan is looking for business. This isn't a show where we're talking about stock advice. We're talking about thoughts, trains of thoughts. Um, we're talking about a mindset. And the book fits perfectly into that. So we'll talk about the book in just a little bit. But first, I want to welcome to the show, Ryan Steiger. How are you, Ryan? Hey, Dave. Good to be here. Thank you for having me on. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, I was telling um, I was telling Nick, you know, yeah, okay, we'll have Ryan on the show, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, I was so excited when we when we spoke because I thought that, I mean, we could go on and on and on for goodness sakes. Good oh, stuff. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, good stuff. And then I was looking through the book, going, "Oh, this is gonna, this is always gonna be, uh, this is always gonna be better." Now, you know, I I tell our listeners always consider the source. Always think about when someone is telling you something. Why are they saying it? Or what? You know, who is saying it? Or what is the experience about the you know the person that's saying that? So, in that vein. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your, about your path so far. Absolutely, Dave. And, you know, my story is a lot different because I never really wanted to be an investor when I was a kid. I never wanted to be an author. Uh, but life surprises you sometimes. I always wanted to be a firefighter. That's what I wanted since I was a little kid. And I, I got into the fire department early. That was my first career. I was a firefighter for Cal Fire San Diego Unit. Uh, initially, I was part of a desert rescue response team. I did technical rescue, extractions in the desert, search and rescue. Uh, I did some time on a medic engine responding to structure fires and medical aids. And I finished my career, uh, Schedule B, which is the wildfire division of Cal Fire. Uh, and that was my last year with the department. And what are you doing now? Well, now I'm in law school, Dave, and I am an author. I write. And uh, today, uh, I think it marks close to my 10-year anniversary of investing in the markets. So it's really exciting to be here today with you, Dave. Exciting stuff. Let's go back to this, this author thing. So you've written other books besides the one we're going to talk about today, besides The Dividend Hunter? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, actually, my first book was a crime thriller set in Las Vegas. It's modern-day Las Vegas. It's called The Emperor of Vegas, and it tracks a three-way struggle for power in Las Vegas for the opium market there between crooked police, uh, mafia-type people, the Russian mob. Uh, very exciting, thrilling stuff. If you like crime and if you like legal thrillers, that's a good book for you. Available on Amazon. Everything's but, on Amazon, yeah. But, but tell me about Snot Rocket Adventures. Oh, yeah. You know, Snot Rocket's a fun one. Uh, you know, I thought of it years ago uh, when I was uh, playing around with one of my little nieces. And the goal of Snot Rocket is to get young kids excited about careers in math, science, technology, these sort of engineering programs that are leading our future today. Uh, he is a fourth grade superhero with a nuclear nostril. He has a big old nose that has special powers. And he goes on these wacky adventures fighting villains. He fights cyborgs in space. He fights a polar bear from planet Neptune. He fights an ancient Egyptian curse. Uh, it's good fun for the kids. It's full of laughs for the grownups. And there's even puzzles inside each book. So let me see if I get this right. A, a firefighter and a lawyer writing children's books and and fiction books. And now uh, 
an investment book. Yeah, you got it. It sounds a little, uh, <laughs> it sounds like a okay. mix, key, if you will, but the key to life I've always found is to be open-minded and, and pursue what feels right, you know? All right. So tell me about the dividend, Hunter. Let's focus on your book. I think it was just out end of May. I mean, it's it's fresh. Yeah, it's brand new, Dave. I'm real excited about it. Uh, you know, the dividend hunter I wrote because, you know, like I said, I've been in the market now for about 10 years and I've learned a few things uh, investing in dividends. And particularly what I noticed in 2020, we had the COVID crash that kind of started in February and really hit bottom in March. Uh, and the surprising thing was suddenly a lot of retail investors became very interested in the market. What was this big thing that seemed to be affecting everyday life that had such an impact on our wealth? I wanted to make that information more accessible, especially for the younger generation. Boy, have you ever seen the last, what, the last 18 months or so? What a crazy ride. Last year, the market's up, what, almost like 30% and all the investment folks are dancing in the street. And then, uh, you know, the good old days ends like January and uh, the market dives 30%. And now it's back. What I mean, some some of the markets are fully back. Some of the markets are up 20%. What a what a crazy ride. And some are still down. And, you know, if you're a sophisticated professional investor, this is a tremendous opportunity to make a lot of money by riding the volatility. But what I don't want my readers to think is that you have to be a sophisticated institutional investor to make money in a volatile market. It really holds true that if you find good companies with strong fundamentals, you buy them for a good price and you hold them for a long time, compound interest is your friend. And if you do your research up front, you will make market even when there's volatility. Great example, Dave, all of my dividend paying investments I've brought in have maintained or increased their dividends this year. I haven't experienced any interruption in my income from investments, even with the volatility. Yeah. I was talking to a guy that uh, invests money for people and uh, this was about three weeks in and, you know, things were falling, falling, falling. And I was chatting to him, chatting with him. And I said, you know, how's it going? I mean, are all your clients calling you going crazy? And he goes, yeah, some of them are, but the majority of them are just going, yeah, you know, I'm not retiring in the next 10 years. I'm not going to draw on that money in the next 10 years. So I'm fine. And in fact, if I got some cash on the sideline, if I've got some dry powder, if you will, mm-hmm. I might even drop some more money in as things start to, to ride their way up. So it was real interesting. I would have expected everyone to be calling and yelling and screaming, you lost me 30%, man. And it's like, nah, his people were sophisticated. They got it. Now, if someone was getting ready to retire this year, yeah, that that's a tough little nut to take a hit like that. Absolutely. It's alarming when you see something that's supposed to be a nest egg take a hit like that. Uh, But something I remind my readers of in my book is that the market price of your securities is not always the same as the value. And the goal of the dividend hunter isn't necessarily to cash in these investments after appreciating and making capital gains. The idea is to create an income generating machine for yourself. And it takes some time. Compound interest has to do its thing. But after 10, 15 years, the income from your dividends should be enough to cover your expenses. Yeah. And but we've talked about compound interest so many times on the show, huh, Nick? Yeah. I I just buy lottery tickets nowadays. I'm I'm not on stocks anymore. (laughs) Oh, Ryan, we we had a show a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about lottery tickets and how much people were spending. And and Nick was saying, you know, you know, don't buy lottery tickets. That's a waste of money. The odds are too long. And 
And um, uh, the, the co-host was saying, well, wait a minute. If, if you buy a couple bucks and you buy a couple bucks three, four days before the drawing, Think of it as a good entertainment buy, but don't think of it as an investment or something that's going to return. And we had just a great discussion on, on lottery tickets. Are, are you, uh, is that part of the, uh, the, the, uh, the theory there in, in your book, right? <laughs> buy lottery. I see you mentioned it several times. Surprisingly, it is part of the book theory and it makes a lot of sense, you know. Uh, really? I don't no. invest in the lottery because if you look at the fundamentals, they're terrible. Um, right. Uh, you know, I warn people, don't treat the stock market like a casino. It's not a casino. And if you treat it as such, eventually the stock market's going to treat you like a gambler. Uh, I think one of the greatest examples of this we saw was the notorious Hertz bounce that happened, I think, a month ago. Hertz declared Crazy. Uh, these young retail investors who don't have a lot of experience, someone told them buy the dip. They took it way too literally, and they threw their life savings into a bankrupt company. There was a spike. People got greedy. They held on. Reality caught up with Hertz. It, it collapsed back down to where it belongs for a bankrupt company, and people got stuck holding a bag, this worthless stock that uh, they, they lost their money on. So I warn people, you know, don't be afraid of the market. It's, it's a very accessible institution. It's there to help you make money. But get an idea of the basics before you start throwing cash at these lottery ticket securities. Well, and absolutely understand the basics rather than just buying on tips. Absolutely. And the basics are not that hard. They're, they're very simple. I think in the dividend hunter uh, for real estate investment trusts, for example, there's only a five-step process to get a general idea of if you have a good real estate investment trust. It's not hard. You just got to sit down with the book for uh, one, two evenings, and you, you should have a general understanding of what you're looking at when you log into your brokerage account. Well, and one of the things I liked about your book was you took the time to explain all of these terms in, in a very simplistic way. And you started with stock, bond, dividend. There's a lot of people that don't know that. And then when you get to some of these other things, you know, REITs and, and yields and, you know, blah, 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 blah. You, you explain that as well. But you took it step by step by step. So anybody, I mean, anybody, even me, could figure it out, you know, and go. Even oh, you, know, Dave, even now you. I know what they're talking about. Absolutely. So, so Ryan, who is this book for? Who did you design this book for? Is this for people in their retirement years, midlife? What would, what was your typical reader when you when you set out to write this book? Okay, well, there's two answers to that, Dave. The short answer is it's for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. this is especially geared towards people who would not consider themselves to be a sophisticated investor. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is someone who logs into Yahoo Finance, they see P&E ratio, EPS, you know, bid, ask, and they see these things and they're confused and they're afraid. They don't know what it means. It's for someone like that to help them. But when I wrote this book, I imagined I was sitting at my desk and having a conversation with my younger brother. Uh, I have a brother. He turned 20 yesterday, actually. Uh, Drew, if you're listening, happy birthday. Uh, cool. And he's getting interested in investing. And so when I wrote this book, I imagined I was having a conversation with him starting from the very beginning how do we get money to invest? How do we live our life so that we have money to invest? What is the stock market? How does it work? What are the key metrics we're going to use to help us make money? And then teach him how to research a stock, not tell him what stock to buy, 
because that's only temporary. That doesn't help in long term. Teach him how to find the stocks that he needs and to right. understand the market. Right. Any inspirations for, for the book? Absolutely. Uh, number one is probably the godfather of fundamental investing. Uh, that's the intelligent investor by Benjamin Graham. Uh, I read that book, man, years ago. I must have been 21 when I read it. And I read it because I was told that was the Bible for fundamental analysis. The problem is it's a big book. It's a dense book. It's highly technical. It was written by a very smart, very professional man. And it was also written in the 70s. So even though there's a lot of knowledge there, it's kind of intimidating and it's starting to show its age a little bit. So I wanted to create a book where you could read my book, get a good fundamental understanding of the market so that if later you decide to read Intelligent Investor, it's not going over your head. It makes more sense. Yeah, I remember picking up, uh, you know, some time ago, Intelligent Investor, and I got about halfway through the, you know, maybe 10, 20 pages, and I set it down, and and my mind's going, yeah, 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 okay, uh, you know, hey, Gilligan's Island's on, so I, you know, I got I to gotta move on to something else, but it's a, it's a tough read. I mean, it's, it's the book, right? It's mm-hmm. like uh, Beating the Street. Was that Lynch, Peter Lynch? Yeah, the little book that beats the market? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, these are, these are the, these are like the signposts mm-hmm. for investors over the years, but intelligent investor, that was a tough read. The thing I like about your book is it's, I'm just looking here. What is it? hundred pages, 115 pages, something like that. So you yeah, can, you know, it's, it's not intimidating. And really, I think that we as the investing community have kind of been making a mistake for the past couple of decades where we're immediately pointing people towards Peter Lynch. We're immediately pointing them towards intelligent investor. And the truth is most people just aren't ready to read those books yet. This is the book that I think you should start your journey on. Dividend Hunter is going to teach you how to at least wrap your head around these ideas before these complex ideas get thrown at you. No, I hear you. Well, I mean, what about in school? Isn't there any education like this in school for stuff like this? This seems so fundamental to me. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm 30 years old and I, I can still calculate the area of a rhombus or some nonsense like that. Uh, but I still need to refer back to my materials on how right. to use uh, and I have to follow my taxes every year. Right. You know, I think the education system has really let people down in that regard. But thank goodness, you know, there's hope. We live in the year 2020, Dave. We have the internet. It's very easy for people to access the information they need. And we're having something of a mentor renaissance, I've noticed, with the explosion of social media. There are so many experienced people out there, people like you, people like me, who want to help people learn. And it doesn't have to be formal education. Now, speaking about mentors, you talked about Benjamin Graham, but you've you've notoriously uh, left somebody out, someone that we love here at TFWP, someone that we've mentioned so many times over the years, even gone to a shareholder meeting. Nick, who are we talking about? Well, I call the godfather Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, Warren, and his and his his partner, Mr. Munger. So Charlie why Munger. why why not Warren and and Charlie Ryan? What's up with that? Well, those young men have a lot to offer, and I really <laughs> uh, but you know what a lot of people don't know is Benjamin Graham taught Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, ah, the mentor mentee relationship. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Benjamin Graham taught Warren Buffett most of what he knows. It, it's yeah. So Benjamin beget Warren. Absolutely. 
Okay. So we're, we're, we're on the same page. We're talking about value investing, I think. Mm -hmm. Love it. Okay. So, all right, well, we, you can continue on the show because you like, you like Warren Buffett. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're, you know, the title of the book, you know, the, the dividend hunter implies just dividends, but isn't it much more than that? And isn't it just much more than just, Hey, here's how to, pick stocks or here's how to analyze stocks. Isn't it more than that? Oh, it's a lot more, Dave. You know, I'm trying to teach people how easy it is to become wealthy. A lot of people out there, you know, they're angry. They think that you have to be lucky. You have to be born into the right family. You have to, you know. It helps, I suppose. It helps. helps. I wouldn't know, but it helps. (laughs) It it, it helps, but it's not determinative. Really, uh, we, we live in a day and age where you can become wealthy. You just need to adopt a few principles, apply them consistently, and you will start experiencing the steady gains of wealth over time. Uh, I teach people a little bit about how to manage daily expenses so that they have money to invest. I teach them how to view the money that they have. Uh, A line I use a lot in my book is buy income, don't buy debt, buy income, don't buy toys. Uh, So yes, I'm teaching you how to find dividends that will pay you income hopefully every month after some time. But I'm also teaching you how to live the kind of life where you have money when you need it. No, I like that. You know, I want to um, take a little uh, left turn here and talk about something just for a second. You you talked in the book about the fact that if someone is not born into means, that may be actually advantageous to them in terms of investing. Expand upon that because I was fascinated. A lot of people do a double take when they hear that. And yes, I actually said that if you are born poor, if you are born disadvantaged, there is a lot of research out there that says it is actually an advantage. Now, it's not an advantage financially. It's rough. You you know, if you have a trust fund, if you have an inheritance, it is easier to get started. But there's a couple of key strengths that a poor, underprivileged person has. Number one, they adopt a hustler mentality early in life. When you are born with nothing, you have to fight for every little thing you have. You learn to negotiate. You learn to price bargain. You learn to make small resources last long. That is a fundamental skill that carries even when you start having resources later on. So having a must-hustler mentality early makes you a tough competitor. Uh, Also, When you have low means, believe it or not, you have a higher risk tolerance. Uh, People without means tend to be more aggressive in their learning process. They, They jump on new opportunities, and when they lose, they lose small. You know, if you're only worth $1,000 and you lose $200, it hurts. But it doesn't hurt as bad as losing millions of dollars, which can be a death blow for some institutions. So if you don't have a lot, Do not despair. Life's not fair, but do you know what? You have something. You have grit, you have a hustler mentality, and you don't have as much to lose. There's a lot of opportunity if you're born with less. And you'll have a big bag full of knowledge after they read your book. You know, but it it seems to me, Ryan, this is less about dividends, more about a a life philosophy and dividends fitting in as in as a big piece of that, you know? In, in section one of the book, you're talking about a life philosophy, spend less than you make, save, invest, build wealth over the long term. And I, I think that your, your whole philosophy or your, your whole book that talks about 
how to pick and find stocks and that, that, that fits into this whole philosophy. And I, I was surprised and yet so incredibly pleased that the front and back of your book talked about life philosophy and how investing fits into that. Yes, Dave, you know, I felt like that was the best way to start. And it's also the best way to finish. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm going to teach you how to access one of these income generating tools out there, which is the stock market. It is dividends. But, you know, throughout our lives, we hear save to invest. We hear spend less than you earn. But I also wanted to provide some specifics. How do we do that? Because the average person reading this book, I imagine, doesn't have a high income. Uh, they might have high expenses. It's tough making it out there. So I want to give them real actionable steps, things they can start doing today so that they can start investing. And that yeah. all starts with mindset. I think if your book was just, you know, how to invest, I think the book would be valuable in and of itself. But because it's couched among this, you know, sitting in this basket of philosophy at the beginning and the end, it just makes it so much more powerful. It seems to me it all came together, it comes together, came together for me. And that's why, that's when I really started getting excited about talking with you today. Oh, thank you so much, Dave. And you know, my hope is by the time someone puts this book down, they feel confident, they feel inspired, they have real actionable steps they should take. And my hope is once they've put this book down, they go out, they do their research, they buy their first share. That's what I hope my reader does when they're done. So they'll get a, they'll get a, what is it? Robin hood, Robin hood app, or they'll walk into their Schwab or TD Ameritrade and go, Hey, here's a hundred bucks. I want to open a, you know, I want to open a, a, an account. You know, that's a decision each person has to make on their own, but whatever brokerage. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But, you know, the important thing is walk in and if they look at you funny, like, oh, it's a hundred bucks. So what? The the subtext is, yeah, well, you'll be calling me in 10 years when this is like a big, big pot of money, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll talk, we'll talk more about specifics um, next week because I want to get into some of the specific things in that, in that middle part of your book. But I think there were three big picture tips at the end of your first chapter. And I want to I want to close out today talking about those. And next time we'll talk about specific uh, investment um, um, in issues. Three tips. And I thought they were great. The first was adopt a hustler mentality. And I think you've already hit on that. We, we talked about that a little bit. People mm-hmm. of um, uh, maybe not as many means being able to to do even better because they they learn how to hustle at an early age. Yes. And what I tell people is, look, the average millionaire has four sources of income. You're going to have to think like a millionaire before you can become one. Find ways to get money to invest and don't try to knock it out of the park the first try. You know, it's so easy to start a drop shipping business. It's so easy to create an online course. It is so easy to even... Uh, you know, start just a side business teaching people a skill. Take that little trickle of income every month and start funneling it into your investments. And I'm telling you, once you seize those opportunities early, they're going to grow. Can we talk about those four uh, four sources of income next week? Absolutely. I, I'm 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 kind of intrigued by that. Um, the the second big picture tip, and this one just blows me away: buy income, not toys. Take me through that. That just blows my mind. What a great way to say that. Yeah, there's a lot going on there to unpack, Dave, and I'm glad you zeroed in on it. The first thing is the average person doesn't realize that with money, you can buy more money. 
you can buy a stream of income by taking your money and it's very easy to open a Shopify account, start drop shipping and making money. Very easy to research stocks, invest in the market and start having portions of a company's profit paid to you. Instead of going out and buying a new outfit, you can buy monthly income. And I want people to understand that so that when they look at a new Apple Watch or they look at a new car, I want them to think, okay, I could spend $300 a month on this new car, or I could take that $300 a month and turn it into $400 a month. That's a big mindset thing that once you really understand it and start practicing it, your life starts to change very quickly. Absolutely. I think you talked about, you know, a thousand dollars. Well, I can take, I got a thousand dollars at the end of the year. I can go out and buy, I don't know, a TV or something like that. And that'd be good for three, four, five years. Or I could go out and buy some stock that's going to pay a dividend and all right. So it pays 20, $30 a year. So what? But you start to get multiples of that thousand mm -hmm. and it's going to give you 20, $30,000 a year for potentially the rest of your life, mm -hmm. you're, you're buying income. So at some point you will have bought enough income. So you won't want to work or you won't have to work. You may choose to work, but you don't have to work. And that just, that just blows my mind. I try and get people to not buy, um, um, you know, big cars and, and some of this fancy stuff. And, to think about it in terms of buying future income rather than buying toys, especially toys that depreciate quickly or, or, or even at all. What a, what a smart way to put just a little button on that concept. Absolutely. And something I mentioned in the dividend hunter as well is, you know, you're, you're investing for the long term. you're getting income coming to you. But when you see someone who's driving a big BMW or a Ferrari, they have a nicer house than you, nicer clothes, do not be jealous because the, the dirty secret that people don't talk about is when you look at those things, a lot of times you're looking at debt. You're looking at someone who went into debt to get that toy. They didn't buy income, they bought debt. So in the dividend- I love that point. I love that point. Sorry for interrupting. And also oh. you don't you, you don't know if it comes from old money. You don't know if they made it. You don't know the other person's position. For all you know, it's a rental. They spent their entire uh, monthly check on that day of driving around in the Ferrari. You don't know. And frankly, it doesn't matter. Uh, just don't fall into the trap of thinking that to be wealthy, you have to look wealthy. Uh, don't forget, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is one of the wealthiest men alive and he drives an Acura. Is that right? The Zuck drives an Acura? He does. Wow, he does. Good. And he's one of the 10 richest guys in the world or something. And you know what? Part of the reason he's so rich is he doesn't blow it all uh, trying to show off how rich he is. He takes his money, he reinvests it, he works on his product. That mentality, it works when you're a billionaire, it works when you're a millionaire, it works when you're a hundredaire, Dave. If you are taking your modest resources and applying them to get more resources, you have the same mentality as Mark Zuckerberg. And if you apply it long enough, you will see results. No, exactly. I've sat down with so many people over the years and talking about their, you know, their, their finances. And they'll say something like, well, the neighbor across the street, you know, he's killing it because he's got this big house and he's got this big, big black Mercedes and da -da, they must really be killing it. And I tell them not, not necessarily, maybe if they're really thoughtful and smart, maybe, but what if the house is mortgaged to the gills and the, and the car's got a big old payment? They look really good as they're driving down the street, but there may not be true wealth there. There may be assets, but not wealth. 
Absolutely, Dave. And something I say in the Dividend Hunter is really don't be jealous because going out to dinner in an Audi uh, is a lot less impressive if your card is declined at the end of the meal. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. Now, the third big picture tip was patience is the key. And I'm going to I'm going to take this one, Ryan, just a little bit. Um, You know, I thought that it was very telling that on the very first page, on page one of your book, there's a quote from my man, Warren Buffett. And I think it set the tone for the whole book. And the quote is, now I'm not going to tell you what the quote is. The, the quote's on page one. And, uh, you know, if you want to know what that quote, incredible quote from Warren Buffett is, uh, I think you're going to have to to buy the book. So uh, next week, we're going to talk about more specifics on dividend investing. In the meantime, the name of the book is The Dividend Hunter on Amazon with the incredible quote on page one. The Kindle version is $9.99. And as you know, you can download that and read that on your um, on your um, on your machine, or you can get the printed version, I think, for $14.99. And I think that the book is so good that you want to have it around and read it several times and highlight it. I would recommend the, the printed version. I bought it. I digged it. So I think that uh, something you might want to consider between now and next week. Now, I think it's only fair to our readers to put together some kind of disclaimer here because I've, I've been uh, uh, promoting the book pretty heavily and everybody's probably thinking, wow, what is, what is TFWP uh, or what does uh, Dave or Nick for that matter get off of the sales of this book off of amazon.com? And, and I wanted to- 100% dis- of the proceeds, Dave. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to disclose- <laughs> I'm just I kidding. Only, only think it's fair. Here's what we get. Nothing, absolutely <laughs> nothing. We're talking about the book because we think that it's it's timely and important and we want people to buy the book. We get nothing. Now, Ryan was nice enough to agree to come on twice and that was kind of our quid pro quo. So for those of you out there, there was a quid pro quo. If uh, Ryan comes <laughs> on the... Uh, on the podcast a couple of times that uh, we'll push, you know, we'll push the book, but now I'm going to put Ryan on the spot. Ryan, I, I can see a couple of shows more coming out of this. Could we get you to come back for a second and a third? That certainly sounds exciting to me, Dave. All right. I like it. I like it. Hey, Nick, it worked, right? We, we trapped him in a corner and he had to admit to another free interview, right? Right there, right there. So what are our takeaways from today? Well, um, Gosh, I mean, listening to Ryan, you could say, hey, you can change careers. You can have multiple careers. You can be successful at multiple careers. You can do fun stuff like fighting fires, and you can do important stuff like writing this book. You can do entertaining stuff like writing the Snot Rocket series or something like that. Um, two, you need, a, you need a life wealth philosophy. And, of course, a plan. We've talked about the plan. But right to, for today, we've been talking about uh, uh, philosophy. And, and three, you know, adapt that hustler mentality. Think about buying income, not toys and, and, and be patient, patient, you know, patience is the key. So stuff to think about. We're going to have Ryan back next week. We're going to talk about specifics out of the book. Stay tuned. Cause I think it's only getting better. This is Dave Hagan. And you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast.
You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.